Hey guys and gals, Cable here, and this week's podcast is brought to you by iSocial Boost. See, when iSocial Boost contacted me, I was pretty skeptical about how this thing worked, and I wasn't willing to try it on my own page, the Lone Star Outdoor Show page that I've been working on for, uh, what, seven or eight years with you guys? So I said, you know what? Let's give this thing a fair shake. Let's create a new page and see how it does. And so that's what I did with a Hunter's Legacy. Uh, my new page, which is up to over 13,000 followers at this point, I update it like a couple times a week, to be honest with you, and iSocialBoost does the rest through hashtags that I've designed to target hunters and anglers. It's awesome. It's iSocialBoost. You can use it to grow your brand, your recognition, your following, and if you use the promo code Lone Star, you'll only pay $5 for the first week with no strings attached. Check it out, isocialboost.com to grow your Instagram following. Wait for me, darling. Your luck is on my side. I want to see you rise in the morning, lay down the night. If next time ever comes, I'll be the one. I'll be the one. When all is said and done, I'll be the one. I'll be the one. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Cable Smith, welcoming each and every one of you to the Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Safari Club. That's a jam right there, I tell you what. When I first heard that tune, I was like, it's like nothing that I've ever listened to. But that is I'll Be the One from Paul Cawthon. Kicking things off for us on today's broadcast, and I don't remember the name of the Instagram follower who gave me the heads up on Paul, but uh, dude, guy's awesome, so certainly appreciate that. Whoever you are, uh, thank you. Um, We've got a great show lined up for you today here on episode, gosh, 469 now. Um, So, you know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire, and man, you got to get warm, got to get warmed up. Because we've had this Arctic blast. Seems like this is one of the coldest winters, as far as late winter is concerned, that we've had in a long time. And Texas, I mean, we, I don't think we've even gotten any snow. But the rest of the country, a lot of the country, has just been inundated. Saw in Arizona and, and places that normally don't get snow just getting hammered like 30 inches in Flagstaff this past week. So uh, incredible amounts of snowfall, um, generally speaking, throughout much of the country. Hope y'all are staying warm. Anyway, pull up that stool a little closer to the campfire and pour yourself another cup of coffee because we're ready to rock and roll. And today is the Alligator Gar episode, uh, much anticipated as, well, Texas Parks and Wildlife has proposed some regulation changes that I truly believe don't bode well for bow fishermen in the Lone Star State, which happens to be the number one trophy destination for folks not only within Texas, but from all over the country that come here to have an opportunity, just one shot at a six or seven foot cater gar. Uh, so we've got our good friend, Captain Cody Soley of Extreme Bowfishing here to give us his thoughts on the proposed changes, what the changes are, why he believes Texas Parks and Wildlife is pushing these proposals. Are they justified? Does science back them up? 
Uh, he's been on the ground level tracking this thing for over a year because when I went boat fishing with him last summer, he alerted me to this possibility. Well, fast forward six months and Cody's worst fears have become reality as Commissioner Sean Duggins appears to have it out for bow fishermen. And, you know, I'm all for saving a species that needs saving, but show me the science that supports it. I got I mean, you can't just scatter shoot on wildlife management. And so anyway, Cody will be here. Then we'll hear the other side of the equation when Texas Parks and Wildlife Executive Director Carter Smith makes his return to the show. So I will uh, ask Carter the tough questions and see what he says. Now, Carter is not the one behind instigating uh, this movement, but his employees, his uh, commissioner or commission chair, Duggins, is, and uh, Carter will be here to kind of help walk us off the ledge. Why is Texas Parks and Wildlife doing this? And I mean, honestly, why does it matter if you're allowed to harvest one gator guard per day? Why does it matter if you do it during daylight hours or, or nighttime? Which that is one of the proposed changes to ban all nighttime harvest of alligator gar. Uh, so we'll get into all of that and more with Carter at the bottom of the hour. That's what's on the docket for today. It's going to be an entire show dedicated to wildlife management, sound scientific wildlife management, and alligator gar. So that's what's on the docket for today. A couple other things to mention. We've got a great photo of the month contest going on right now, brought to you by Scent Slammer. We've got a prize pack uh, that we will be giving out to this month's winner. So, you know what to do. Go ahead and uh, shoot your best hunting, fishing, or outdoor photo over to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. Also, post it on our Facebook page if you want, or tag me on Instagram. Use the LSOS photo contest hashtag, and we will get you entered for the Scent Slammer prize pack. Uh, and then uh, our 12 monthly winners from 2019 will square off at the end of the year for a chance to hunt trophy axis deer or black buck with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, quick giveaway. I just released these uh, Keep It Public, my Fight for Your Right to Party, hashtag Keep It Public Lone Star Outdoor Show t-shirts. And I know I've Told you guys about them the last couple weeks, but they are now available on viral style. You can find that link on my Instagram or Facebook page and uh, pick one up for you or a buddy that supports public lands. And we'll give one away right now, uh, one of our public lands t-shirts to, let's just make it open to everyone. For the next week, anyone who emails uh, Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com, just email keep it public. And it can be the header of your email. That's fine. Just send it in. And we will pick one lucky winner uh, to sport one of our new Keep It Public t-shirts. Fight for your right to party. A Beastie Boys inspired t-shirt, by the way. Um, let's do this. Let's take a break. Up next, we're joined by Extreme Bow Fishing's Cody Soli. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. You made me feel like I was always falling. Always falling down without a place to Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution, the System Hog Trap. 
comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The system is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Three Curl Outfitters is now offering guided North Texas quail hunts. Just 30 minutes south of DFW, if you're looking for a quality quail hunt close to home, planning a company outing, or just looking for a place to tune up your dogs, you need to give them a call. Hunts are $2.50 a hunter for a half-day hunt. That includes 15 birds, and you can add extra birds for $8 a piece if you want to give your bird dog just a little more run. You're welcome to bring your own dogs. Otherwise, the guide and dog fee is $1.50 a day for your entire group. That's not per person. Go to 3curl.com or call 214-641-8097 to book your hunt today. Saturday Satan, Sunday Saint. Fooling your neighbor—that's what you think. Reading the good book, singing the hymn. Come Monday morning, and it's back to a life of sin. All right, Cable Smith, welcome everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thrilled to announce that uh, we have signed an extension with DSC, by the way. And they will remain our title sponsor for the foreseeable future. So, obviously, appreciate their support. Uh, we're all set to talk some bow fishing here. Uh, man, we've got some unfortunate, well, what I believe to be unfortunate, regulation changes that have been proposed by Texas Parks and Wildlife. And, you know, Texas is uh, widely, well, no, it flat out is the premier alligator gar fishery when it comes to trophy fish fish over six feet long especially when you get into those seven footers people come from all over the united states all over the world to have a chance to harvest one of those gator gar um so that being said we are going to discuss those proposed changes with extreme boat fishing's uh, cody soley longtime guide but first this segment is brought to you by dallas safari club the worldwide leader in big game conservation, I'd like to personally invite you to get plugged in with this great group of folks who are passionate about hunters' rights, education, and conservation. For more information, head over to biggame.org to check us out. Okay, well, without further ado, let's dissect what's going on with Texas Parks and Wildlife's proposed changes to how we manage alligator gar it is my pleasure to welcome cody Soli back to the show hey cable good morning good hearing from you yeah man it's great to talk to you uh so how's life been treating you since our uh, bow fishing trip this past summer ah uh, we've been doing pretty good a few bumps in the road we uh we had a really good season last year to close and and uh texas announced these regulation changes were coming so we packed up shop and, and opened a camp in Louisiana. Oh, wow. Uh, you told me this past summer that you were thinking about doing that, uh, and that's unfortunate that it's come to that. I know you would rather yeah, stay here yeah. in Texas, but... Yeah, definitely. You know, our hearts in Texas, we, we built our business there. Um, you know, Extreme was running for over 10 years in Texas, and, and we still have a boat going there. Mm-hmm. We'll continue to fish as long as they allow. Uh, but unfortunately, it's it's looking pretty bleak for us. 
Yeah, which is what we're going to get into today. Um, but I do. Um, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll transition to that here momentarily. But on a side note, um, we went straight to Port, o- Port O'Connor from our trip with you. Went and did a little red fishing uh, with the guys. Right. They came down from I think Nebraska. Um, uh huh. Yeah. Those boys can shoot too, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. They shot two nice scar that day. Um, I think I actually just got to you know help uh, play you know, clean up there and shoot them uh, when they were pretty close to the boat just to <laughs> get another air right, in them, you right. know. Um, but, yeah, they were sharpshooters, there's no doubt. We took those back straps, though, um, to Port O'Connor, and, and we went and ate at a local restaurant that evening. And they uh-huh. uh, they cooked it up for us right there. And I'll tell you, man, um, two thumbs up for alligator gar. Those back straps were pretty tasty. It surprised you, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was definitely yeah, surprised. Most people are, are, are in for a surprise when they try it. It's a lot better than you'd expect it to be. Mm-hmm. I, I I personally think it's about like catfish, you know? Yeah. Well, so on that trip, though, you, you mentioned that there was, was a guy within the Texas Parks and Wildlife Division who was starting to make some rumblings that could negatively affect bow fishing for trophy alligator gar. And, uh, it looks like Commissioner Chair Ralph Duggins, uh, his six-year term ends in 2019, and he wants to leave his mark, and I think, um, you know, in his eyes, the way to do that is to end bow fishing for trophy alligator gar. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but that is that is the position we're in. So, what science exists to back up his stance? There's none. <laughs> uh, I, I've I've got my finger on this deal, and I've talked to all you know as many of the inland fisheries biologists that will answer my phone calls, and most of them. You know, are open to discuss that they are, are personally against these regulations. Mm. Uh, they've done studies. Um, there's no conclusive evidence that we're in a decline of population. Mm. So, I, I don't know how much you know info you have on the studies, but how are they doing these studies? Uh, are they using? Are they netting these fish? I don't know. I, I imagine um, Falcon is a place, obviously, that has a ton of alligator gar, uh, and I know that. I don't even think that that fishery is included in the regulations. It's not. No, and that's uh, mind-boggling to all of us. You know, the, the main the main thing that they're doing is they're netting, they're catching, releasing, tagging uh, to get these numbers. And at Falcon, I believe the first net drop was in 2014. Hmm. Uh, and it was, it was brought about, you know, there was some noise from the bass anglers that the Falcon bass fishing had declined from an overpopulation of alligator gar. And that's what initially got these guys down there. And, uh, they started running their net drops, you know, and uh, they came up with just a, a astonishing amount of fish. In, in the first survey, they killed nearly 500. I think it was four. It was in the 490s, 490 something alligator go. And uh, they came back to three more studies. And in those three studies, they've, you know, raised the limit to five. Uh, went from one to five, and basically that's kicked off the commercial fishing for alligator gar on Falcon Lake. And all of these new regulations... That's on the Mexican side. Technically, no. Technically, technically, it's still on the American side where the commercial fishing is, is happening. Huh. Because what you have, you actually have commercial licensed fishermen from the state of Texas down there taking advantage of the five per person. They'll put four or five guys on the boat, go out and come back with 20 fish. Uh, and they're selling those fish. You can buy them South Laredo. In fact, you can see some of their products for sale on 35 just off of a right on the side of the highway. And it's all legal, and they're not doing anything to stop it. 
So, okay, so they're obviously they're now overfishing falcon. They're immune to the rest of the state's one fish per day limit. Um, you know, you said the science doesn't exist to say that this fishery is struggling. All you have to do is look east to Louisiana, where you, where you moved to, and they don't even have a daily bag limit, right? You can shoot Correct. as many as you want. You can shoot as many as you want. Commercial fishing is still open. Uh, one thing I think people forget to uh, understand is commercial fishing in Texas for alligator gar was extremely popular uh, until they, they shut it down. And, you know, the fisheries survived that pressure, which, you know, if you look at the, the big picture, these gar are under no pressure, even close to the amount of the commercial fishing pressure that was, you know, put on them for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And And yet in Louisiana, we see a thriving fishery. I mean, you guys have more fish than you know what to do with. Now, you don't have, you even mentioned you don't have the, it's very hard to find the 200-pounder in Louisiana, but Correct. people are shooting, you know, and I've seen it in these boat fishing tournaments. I was kind of like, man, you look at this this team, and they've got, you know, 31-foot alligator gar stacked up there. I was kind of like, and, and I didn't know anything about Louisiana's uh, fishery at the time. This was a couple years ago. And right. I even made a post. I was like, man, this kind of rubs me the wrong way. Um but then right, people were like, right. they all corrected me, and they were like, no, we've got more alligator guard than you have in Texas. I mean, it's we don't have the big ones, but we have the numbers, the sheer numbers is just insane. It really is. It really is. And there's parts of Texas, you know, I do this for a living, and there's parts of Texas that rival what we have down here. Most people just don't know where those places are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they're really, access is extremely limited. You know, there's, there's rivers and and floodplains where these fish spawn that, that nobody can get to. I mean, you'd have to fly in to get there. I mean, we, we know landowners that give us private access, and, and a lot of it is landlocked. You know, unless you've got a key to the gate or permission from somebody there, you're not getting a boat in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's never going to go away. So these fish, you know, have these, you know, to me it's almost a, sh- a sanctuary where they're doing their thing and populating, and, and nobody's, you know, got their finger in it whatsoever. Mm. So... The pressure put on these fish by Texas boat fishermen and the guides like yourself who outfit for them, um, would you say it's a drop in the bucket? Uh, you know, it is growing. There, there's no question that, that the alligator gar as a as a trophy is becoming more popular and drawing more people to the state just for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I see it, you know, is... The problem, these guys don't understand how many hours it takes to harvest one of these fish. They're under the impression that everybody that shows up goes out and kills a six- or seven-foot fish. Uh, you, know, you, you came down last year with the boys from Nebraska and kind of got an idea of how things work. Uh, we had a really good conditions, a really good day, and, and we capitalized. But I think And I, I think we shot fish. at three fish total, and, and, we, Correct. and we got two yeah. of them. And, uh, and that's like on a half day. I mean, that was like for like six hours of fishing. Right. Right, you know, and, and people will argue, well, you know, obviously it's too easy, but that also tells you that the population is healthy. You know, we wouldn't be seeing and having those opportunities if, if these fish were, were threatened or near the endangered, you know, area. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, you guys came down with really good conditions, and what people don't understand is we'll have three or four days where that doesn't happen before we get a day where that does. Mm. So... You know, the, the amount of anglers can increase, 
you know, tenfold. And the harvest rates, are they going to change? There's only so many days in a year. Oh, there's only so many guides right now. I could see to where it could become a problem. I really do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my personal belief. And I, I've, I've had that mindset now since, you know, I've been doing this almost. I think last time you interviewed me, I was, I was kind of under the same, uh, same position. But I do think something needs to change with the regulation. It just doesn't need to be a shutdown. You know, we need a sustainable opportunity. Yeah. And uh, them shutting us down is not that. There, there's other ways to go about this. You can look at any other fishery they've managed in a state with slots or limits or, or tags or, or what have you. There's another opportunity here for, you know, sort of share compromise where everyone gets their share. Yeah. So you'd be in favor of a uh, a slot limit, or even maybe you get one trophy tag when you buy your fishing license and say one fish over four foot or something like that. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would. You know, there's there's been studies conducted by Texas Parks and Wildlife. You can go in, you know, if you have interest in the manner, you can do a public records request within ten days. They have to release all the information they have because at the end of the day, you know, our dollars, taxes, and license fees are what pays these biologists to do these studies. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're doing an injustice to us by not taking the information and using it. But the study that they did in 2017, it was it was Dan Daughtry, uh, Nathan Smith, uh, David Buckmeyer. They, they did a giant survey and study on the alligator gar, and their recommendation was to make a minimum size bag limit. Hmm. Because at the end of the day, these mature fish are your spawning fish. So if you go into the Trinity and you're allowed to kill every four-footer you see, they're never going to make it to six feet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you can take a mature fish, and that five-foot fish is, is going to break that threshold next year. Uh, you know, And the red fish... I go back to the redfish a lot because, you know, they've slotted the redfish and they give you your tag and you're only allowed, you know, your, your bull red every year. I think that's how the alligator dog should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think it would create revenue. It would give them an idea of how many people are actually targeting uh, with their harvest report. They would have an idea of out of those people that purchased the tag, how many are successful. Uh, I think it would really, you know, give everybody a good idea of what's going on and still allow the influence of outsiders from other states to come enjoy this Texas resource. Mm-hmm. So what would be your recommendation? Uh, you know, close it to anything under four foot or five foot? You know, I don't have that number. I'd be lying to you if I told you I did. But I do think that the fish over six foot should be on some sort of tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think I don't think you should be able to kill one a day. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no reason for it. You know, but I also don't think they should shut it down completely to where somebody can't kill one, you know. Yeah. So how long does it take for an alligator guard to reach that trophy six-foot length? I think everybody's under the impression that it takes these fish 100 years to get big. And, you know, down in Falcon, what they're finding is these fish are growing much faster than they anticipated. A lot of these fish are hitting that six-foot mark, you know, around the 15-year-old age. And and there are areas where they grow slower, uh-huh. but you know I think on average a six foot fish is fifteen twenty years old. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Casey Minshew, I think, is a guy that uh, follows our page on Instagram, and he I can't remember which lake it was that he just shot a lake record this past summer, and the uh, 
Texas Parks and Wildlife wanted the what is it the uh, the eye sockets? What do they? How do they age them? They want the otoliths out of the eardrum so oh. they can. Uh, okay. There's layers. They they age them like a tree. Uh huh. Well, they wanted those, and then um, thinking that the fish was going to be like 60 years old, and then found out it was actually closer to 30 years old. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's happening more often than not. Yeah. Um, okay, let's do this because we do need to work on a quick break. How about we take care of that and then come back and get into these regulations and where we stand currently? Perfect. Sounds great. Excellent. And that segment was brought to you by the new Pulsar Thermion Rifle Scope. It is the latest in their line of thermal rifle scopes. And the Thermion is more for uh, for all of you traditional guys who still want to hunt at night with a bolt gun, which is fine. Uh, the Thermion is designed specifically for you. It's still got the, all the features of the Trail Series, internal recording, all that cool stuff, uh, multi-colored palettes, you know, obviously white and black hot, among others. Um, but it is the Thermion, brand spanking new for 2019, and you can find it at PulsarNV.com. We'll be right back with more from Cody Soley of Extreme Bow Fishing. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Some damn fool put a dollar twenty-nine on a jug. A thunderbird wine, Lord, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. I don't know if I'll have the strength to take it. Everything's hung up in yesterday. Pike County, Illinois, and the surrounding area is hallowed ground for whitetail hunters. And with 21 years' experience, Golden Triangle Whitetails is the oldest outfitter in the state. Spread out over 14,000 acres, they have 350 acres of food plots, 500 tree stands, and over 80 box blinds. The guides take pride in having hunters harvest giant Midwest bucks. Golden Triangle Whitetail hunts the Illinois archery, shotgun, and muzzleloader season. They have a full-time chef and excellent lodging. Book your whitetail hunt of a lifetime by going to www.goldentrianglewhitetail.com today. Howdy, this is Robert Earl Keane, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoors Show. We had a little band I thought was good. Hot my old shotgun, bought a UPA. One of my favorites there from our very own Robert Earl Keen, bringing us back right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith, right shotgun with you today. As we are talking all things alligator gar and proposed regulation changes regarding that fishery, and we're doing so with Extreme Bow Fishing's Cody Soley. But before we jump back into the conversation with Cody, uh, this segment of today's conversation is proudly brought to you by the First Light Boundary Storm Tight Pant. And you know, springtime is a wet season. Whether you're chasing black bears in the backcountry or you're sitting under a tree waiting for that first gobble as that tom heads off the roost in the morning, whatever the case, nothing sucks worse than sitting down and having your butt get all wet because you sat on the wet ground. So that's, uh, that's why I love to wear the... Boundary storm type pan, of course. Hey, it's uh, not uncommon to get caught in a little bit of a flash flood during the springtime either. So check it out. It's the Boundary Storm Tight Pant made of 2.5 layer waterproof construction. You can find it at firstlight.com. First Light, 
go further, stay longer. All righty. Well, uh, let's get back into that alligator guard discussion with uh, Cody Soley of Extreme Boat Fishing, who was nice enough to stick around through the break. Cody, we certainly appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, Cable. So we talked about how things are not adding up. Uh, the fishery looks healthy, uh, by all accounts. You're out there. Uh, you How long did you run your outfit out of Texas? Over a decade? Yes, right at about 10 years. Okay, so you're out there every day. Uh, and, no, you know, if you want to know how a population is doing, you, you ask a fishing guide. They're going to know... They're going to have a much better idea than even Texas Parks and Wildlife. You know, they think that they know what's going on, but they're not out there every day. They conduct some studies, and they rely on the information that you guys provide. So we've established that, you know, the population is healthy. Uh, you would agree that, you know, a one-fish, uh, a one-trophy fish per season would be something you'd be in favor of. And as, you know, conservationists, I think we could all agree to that, uh, that, hey, that's really not that big of a deal. The people that come fish with you, they're after that one trophy fish. They don't want to shoot a little one. Uh, right. And that's the sell here. Right. I mean, it's you know, it's like shooting a big buck. You shoot a six-foot alligator gar, you put it on your wall, and then you might ne- you might never shoot another one, you know? Most people don't. You know, and that's, that's a growth issue we ran into with the business is most people, once they mark that, that trophy off their list, it's on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. Know, just like an elk or a polar bear, you know, you know how it goes. I mean, yeah. these guys, they, they get that notion and they, they capitalize on it. And when it's done, it's done. Um, you know, they're not coming back to harvest these fish year after year with us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, One thing I want to touch on that you brought up about, you know, us being at sustainable levels. You know, you, you can look into these transcripts, all the hearings, and, and do a public record requ- request and get the information from the biologists. Right now, every report that they have shows that we're between two and a half and four percent harvest. Oh, wow. All of their studies, all of their studies, are showing that we do not run into a problem until we break the five percent threshold. Hmm. Uh, that's that's public common knowledge. You can look it up anywhere. Uh, for some reason, the commissioners act like they don't hear it when these biologists bring it up in these meetings. Well, let's put this on the hoof, so to speak. We kill over a million whitetail in Texas every year, and it's way more than two to four percent of the population <laughs> you know right well, and yeah absolutely and we're still seeing exponential growth in our whitetail herds i mean so do the math uh, another thing that that shows you know that the population's in good standing is the, the records are growing you know go back and look at the records you know there, there's new records new like new water body records being broken just like uh, casey's fish yeah schedule you know and those fish wouldn't be there if we didn't have a healthy population of these fish and a healthy population of mature fish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is uh, the latest with these regulation proposed regulation changes from Commission Chair Ralph Duggins, who, as we talked about previously, seems to really have it out for, for bow fishermen? Well, you know, they, they brought up in, in previous commission hearings, you know, um, they, I believe their personal agenda is to stop the bow fishing of alligator gar completely. Uh, kind of like they did with the catfish. You know, it's a different subject, but if you look at the facts, it's about the same. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's really no facts that show bow fishing was a substantial threat over rod and reel, and they 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 took it from us based on opinion. You know, and I really think people need to see the big picture here because whether you're a bow fisherman or not, you have vested interest in this. Uh, it it should scare the hell out of you, frankly, 
that these guys can push regulation based on emotion and, and a, a biased agenda. They're not taking the facts the biologists are presenting and using those to regulate. There's no means to an end here. You know, at what point does it stop? It's yeah. all based on opinion. I mean, you think there were a bunch of guys out there catfishing for, I mean, bow fishing for catfish? I know that I never ran into anyone that was like, man, we got to go get a bunch of catfish tonight, you know? Well, you know, we see them occasionally. Sure. And it's just an opportunistic thing, though. Yeah, you can ask yourself this question. I mean, three guys with the current limits can sit on a boat all night and put 75 catfish in their boat. Pretty easily. Um, Pretty easily. You're right. You know, they can run trot lines. They can run jug lines. You can't tell me that there's less sport in running a trot line or a jug line than there is in bow fishing. Yeah. Um, You know, and then they argue about the undersize. Well, people can't measure them underwater. Well, you, you can't guarantee that a catfish you catch on rod and reel that's undersized isn't going to swallow the hook and die either. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can go back and forth with that. You know, I'm stuck on this deal. You know, Texas obviously doesn't allow us to kill the redfish like Louisiana does. Louisiana has a giant influx of income based on, you know, just the anglers coming down to bowfish for redfish. And the argument goes back to, well, a redfish is a game fish. A catfish is a game fish. An alligator gar is not specified as a game fish. But if you want to draw the line in the sand, I don't think anybody can answer this question. Why do they allow us to shoot flounder with a bow and arrow in the state of Texas if we can't shoot redfish or catfish? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. The flounder have a, a, a short spawn season. They're more regulated. You can you know smaller bag limit than a redfish, but they allow us to shoot them, and they allow us to gig them. So... You know, who is making these decisions and what are they based on? You know, yeah. I think just, just the flounder itself shows you that it really has nothing to do with science. It's all, man, this fish is too good for, for bow hunters. Um, that's what it comes down to. Just put it on a pedestal. Yeah. And yet, Louisiana's redfish fishery is, I mean, unrivaled. Uh, we think we have a good one in Texas, and, and we do. It's a great fishery. But Louisiana's is as good, probably better, and they let people bow fish them. You know, they, they tried to take the reds from the Louisiana guys bow fishing years ago, and many arguments were brought up uh, about the undersized fish. And uh, the anglers in Louisiana did a great job getting that smashed down and allowing the red fishing to continue with, with archery means. And the, the fighting grounds that they had were the, the studies of the catch and release survival rates of these redfish. You know, these, these inshore fishing guides go out with a rod wheel trip of four guys. And to get their limit, they'll catch 20 to 30 undersized fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a 30% survival rate, they're killing more than a bow fishing guide with the same amount of anglers. Uh, even if there is a mistake and they accidentally harvest, you know, one or two undersized fish. Mm. You know, they're, they're still doing more damage to the population, rod and reel angling, than the bow fishermen are doing. And the same thing can be brought over to these rod and reel guides on these alligator guards. It's the same situation. These guys are catching between 30 and 40 alligator guard per day. There's no restriction on the means. They use treble hooks. They use six-foot steel leaders. These fish swallow the bait over 80% of the time. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that not all these fish being released, you know, with, with tackle still inside of them are, are surviving. Oh, not even to mention the fact of tugging on their guts for, I don't know how long it takes to reel in a six-foot alligator gar. Um, right. But, 
I imagine it's 30 minutes, an hour, maybe more. And yeah. you're just pulling on their insides, <laughs> yanking on it as hard as you can. Uh, yeah. And you think and the fish isn't going to be stressed be out and die? You know, I'm not saying that we should shut them down either, you know. Yeah. But if, if they're coming after our rights as bow fishermen, based on the fact that the alligator gar is in such dire need of protection that we can't harvest them, you know, you got to call a spade a spade. At the end of the day, these guys need to be regulated as well because they cannot ensure the survival of a released fish. No, the treble hook and the six-foot uh, leader stuck in its stomach, no. Uh, and even even with other means, the amount of stress put on these fish, you know, in, in a two-hour fight in, in hot conditions, and then drug out of the water to photograph, uh, you know, tackle aside, that can kill the fish by itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of folks might not realize that these rod and reel guides, a few of them, are really pushing this issue with Texas Parks and Wildlife. Absolutely. Yeah, I know it's uh, it, it's more than coincidence, and you know I won't mention any names, but there's there's not a whole lot of people in the business that we're in, and the stretch of river, that's the only stretch of river in Texas they are closing down, just happens to be where both of these guide services operate. Uh, one of the guides is actually on the Inland Fisheries Advisory Committee for Texas Parks and Wildlife, so. You know, that that tells you something there. Where's the bow fishing representation there? Oh, uh, there's none. Yeah, then that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we have none. Which, at the end of the day, in my opinion, it, it's nobody's job but Texas Parks and Wildlife to to recognize that, and and they shouldn't allow that to happen. Yeah, yeah. So very hypocritical. Um, they don't want to. They don't want the competition. Is what it sounds like to me. Uh, maybe we'll, well, and maybe we'll try to get one of those guides on to defend their point of view because I'd love to hear yeah, it. I'd like to hear what they have to say. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Ted Bonds is the director of inland fisheries with Texas Parks and Wildlife, and he can be quoted in the in the public transcripts of these commission hearings. Uh, Ralph Dugans basically compares the alligator gar and the catfish, and Craig Bonds comes back with a defense in our favor, in my opinion, and he responds and he says that. You know, the alligator gar is not classified as a game fish. And then, you know, a quote that really sticks in my head, he mentions that it's their position to regulate the fisheries in Texas to provide opportunities of all kinds if sustainable. You know, that sentence by itself should be very powerful to anybody. Uh, you know, he's, he's basically stating that whether it's bow fishing or digging or trot lining or, you know, all the above, as long as it's sustainable we realize that we need to protect that right for our anglers. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Dugan's re- response, uh, basically uh, not acknowledging that statement at all. And he goes, are you trying to uh, push the point that a, an alligator gar is less of a fish than a catfish? That was his response to that. Mm-hmm. Which you know shows a personal belief that, you know, he, he believes that the alligator gar should be protected. And mainly from bow fishermen. Which we've already discussed, the rod and reel guys uh, kill as many fish, probably more, but he doesn't have a problem with that. Right. All right, let's do this. Let's take another quick break, come back, and and get into one other proposed regulation change that specifically targets bow fishermen who prefer to avoid the heat and target alligator gar under the cover of darkness. 
And that segment, by the way, was brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. If you do stick an arrow in that seven-foot gator gar, you know what to do with it. Rustic Reminders will take care of you from gator gar to speckled trout to redfish. Doesn't matter. My friends Josh and Becky Gunther excel in replica fish mounts of all species. You can find them at gr8mounts.com. We'll be right back with more from Extreme Bow Fishing's Cody Soley on the Lone Star Outdoors show. And the night is like a dagger Long and cold and sharp As I sit here on the front steps In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800 9 Go hunt or visit our website at www.biggame.org. So Ted Miles bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Uh, thanks to Lone Star Beer and Off Power Players as well. Uh, we are all set to continue our conversation with longtime bow fishing captain Cody Soley. Uh, but before we get back into these proposed regulation changes that has the entire state of Texas, and I think... You know, you're going to see this affect other states as well if these regulation changes, these proposed changes, do go into effect. Uh, but we're going to get into that coming up here in just a second as we dive back into that topic. First, though, this segment is brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Grab a 12-pack on your way to the turkey woods if you're heading to the lease or maybe, hey, you're after a full stringer of crappie at your local lake there as the spawn is about to be on. Whatever the case, grab an ice-cold Lone Star beer and celebrate tight lines and punching that tag on that big old gobbler with an ice-cold Lone Star beer. All right. Well, Cody, you know, one of these changes, these proposed regulation changes that I just uh, I, I can't wrap my mind around is the idea that they sh- should ban bow fishing for alligator gar completely after dark, meaning no nighttime bow fishing for alligator gar. That is actually, in my opinion, an unfair punishment solely targeting bow fishermen because, let's face it, that's the beauty of bow fishing is that you can do it when the sun goes down and you can avoid the heat of the day when you're not completely miserable. 
So to tell that community of folks that, hey, we know you can already only harvest one gator gar per day, whether with a, a bow or a rod and reel, but now we're saying you can't do it at nighttime. It's just asinine. It blows my mind, uh, but that's where we're at right now, Cody, and it, it just doesn't make any sense. So the introduced, or actually not introduced, they will vote on these uh, this spring, uh, but the regulation changes proposed at the recent commission hearings what what were they and where are we where are we at today so the biologists come into the hearing recommending uh a closure from dallas to houston on i-10 the trinity and all of its tributaries uh the commissioner argues the fact that instead of a five foot cap it should be lowered to a four foot there didn't seem to be many facts there it just went back and forth you know, a little bit, and they decided on four feet. Uh, then this last hearing they had, so the biologists come into the hearing recommending uh, a closure from Dallas to Houston on I-10, the Trinity, and all of its tributaries. Uh, the commissioner argues the fact that instead of a five-foot cap, it should be lowered to a four-foot. There didn't seem to be many facts there. It, but supposedly the notion that Nighttime bow fishing for alligator gar uh, got slipped into the mix. That's the first thing that's been said. Uh, that in itself makes absolutely no sense. In uh, 10 years, have you taken more gar, trophy gator gar at night or, or during the day? It's a mix, but majority of our really large fish are shot in the daytime. You know, when you guys came down, we fished daytime. Mm -hmm. You know, the nighttime thing is more of an attack on bow fishing again than it is anything else because most people who aren't educated with the sport don't realize that we do fish in the daytime as well you know the, the nighttime it, it has uh you know there's, there's definitely no studies there that show that these gar are easier to harvest nighttime or daytime mm. it's just a personal a personal place of belief and opinion okay so moving on so okay so they're now with the, with the last hearing um attacking nighttime bow fishing correct okay uh, and then what else is... And that's statewide, not just on the Trinity. Oh, wow. Huh. And as we mentioned before, uh, the the five per person per day is still going to to be in place for Falcon. But Falcon will be part of that statewide ban of, of nighttime boat fishing for alligator gar. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. You know, so one thing that, that I, I do not understand, and there may be a reason that, that is more between the lines than, than I can see... But if there's so many fish at Falcon, these fish are extremely resilient. They transport well. Um, you know, they, they have a, a primitive lung system. They can breathe out of, out of the water. It seems to me that they can catch these fish from Falcon and, and redistribute them throughout the state in bodies of water where, you know, they don't have healthy populations. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing I think is important to point out is that Texas Parks and Wildlife already has preventative regulations in, in place where they can close and have in recent years, they can close certain areas to alligator gar harvest altogether during the spawn. So when Correct. these fish are most vulnerable, when they're doing their thing, procreating, they close the fishery. Well, they have the authority to. They've done it once. Mm. In five years, they've done it one time. Well, they should be doing it, it more. <laughs> to show you, exactly, which that should show you that if they were really concerned with you know, the fishery, why Why haven't these flood events on the Trinity, the same body of water that they're shutting down, 
why haven't they been protected? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just shows you that they don't have their ducks in a row. Yeah. And, and with that authority, you know, they could have stopped, you know, any harvest in the last, you know, flood events that we've had, and they haven't done it. They've done it one time on the Synergy in five years. You can go back and look at that mm-hmm. uh, with the authority to do it whenever they'd like to for 30 days, up to 30 days at a time. You know what it seems to me? It seems like it's just scatter shooting for alligator guard management. Like they don't really have any idea what they're doing. Uh, this guy, uh, Duggins, kind of seems like he just got his heart on his sleeve and for whatever reason wants to protect alligator guard. You know, the, the... And we, hey, we all want to, let me be clear, we all want to protect alligator guard. You, you make a living by putting people on big alligator guard and you're in favor of a one trophy fish per year limit. Absolutely. When you see something that's in, you know, a gross misunderstanding of, of science and what we know about these fish, and people want to force regulations down your throat, when we already know Texas Parks and Wildlife's first goal is conservation, but right behind that is hunter-angler opportunity, and they'll even tell you that. But it doesn't seem like these fish need any more protecting than, than you know, we already have, other than, you know, save that one uh, trophy tag per year would be a nice thing, just like we have with the redfish. But shutting down well, I think it, bow fishing altogether I, just doesn't make sense. I think it's bottom line. I mean, that's why we're on the phone now. You know, these guys, if there was a legitimate argument and they had information showing us that, hey, guys, these alligator gar are in trouble, we wouldn't even be discussing this right now. Mm-hmm. But they don't have that, and they're still pushing to completely stop, you know, our sport. It wouldn't go through if it was anything else, but unfortunately, both fishermen, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because we are a small percentage of anglers. We don't have a very large voice. And I think that's why this has gotten as far as it has. You think that it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that they're going to vote in favor of it? Everybody, you know, the general census that comes from anybody is these guys have made up their mind. And why are they going to listen to us if they're not listening to their own biologists? You know, that's how everyone feels. Huh. Uh, that being said, there is going to be a, a pretty large presence of the public here you know, to argue these points. Uh, There's a petition going around, too. Correct, yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, as both fishermen, you know, our opinion is, is immediately labeled as bias. And, you know, we need some other people, some other fishermen, whether it be rod and reel anglers, bass fishermen, you know, anybody in the sport to look at this and see the big picture, again, whether you're against or for bow fishing or the harvest of alligator gar or, or whatever your opinion is, you know, bottom line is you need to see how this thing's unfolding and that they're going against the information that they have used our resources and dollars to come up with. Mm-hmm. And look, I mean, let me be clear. I go bow fishing like once or twice a year, so I'm not like some hardcore bow fisherman. I enjoy it when I go. I guess I'm just saying I'm not really that biased here. Uh, I just right. am all for sound scientific wildlife management, and if that means more hunter-angler opportunity, then, then that's the way things should go. Uh, because at the end of the day, we're paying these guys salaries, and for them to not, not have our best interests at heart, well, that's just unacceptable. I completely agree. Well, we'll stay on top of this, man. Was there anything else you wanted to mention, or did we hit it on at all? I think we touched most most of everything. More than anything, these nighttime regulations just don't make any sense. You know, they, they have not done any studies. Texas Parks and Wildlife doesn't have the means to do the studies that show that these alligator gar are in any further threat at night than daytime. Uh, so just that in itself should show you guys that these guys aren't looking at the facts. You know, it's all based on an anti-boat fishing agenda within Texas Parks and Wildlife. 
we'll keep folks updated and the latest developments. Generally speaking, I think they do a great job providing uh, our, our hunters and anglers opportunity. So it's kind of rare when you see something like this. To be honest with you, in 10 years of, of working with TPWD, uh, I've, I've really been pleased and, and I thought they've done a great job. So to see this is kind of surprising. Yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, yeah. especially that it affects, you know, it affects us, you know, directly. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just it's BS that you had to move to Louisiana. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and it, it's it's not just me that it affects. You know, these small communities and towns in these areas we fish are going to see a direct impact. And it may be peanuts on the scale of things. Uh, but my guide service last season sold over 1,600 single bay fishing licenses for the state of Texas. And uh, that revenue is following me to Louisiana. Well, we certainly appreciate it, man. I'll come fishing with you in Louisiana. Come on, yeah, come on now. <laughs> all right, Cody. Take care, brother. Thanks, Cable. Appreciate it. All right. There he goes, our good friend, Captain Cody Soley of Extreme Bow Fishing. What a dump, man, to have to move your entire business to Louisiana when you've got the greatest alligator guard, the trophy, the trophy alligator guard fishery in the country right there in your backyard and uh, Cody could see the writing on the wall and so it's just very unfortunate that being said we will hear the other side of the equation after the break when Texas Parks and Wildlife Executive Director Carter Smith makes his return to the show that segment was brought to you by All Seasons Feeders if you haven't seen the new monolith feeder design our buddy Zach Gates has done it again revolutionizing the feeder game and it's no surprise, All Seasons Feeders has been pushing the envelope on feeders for over three decades. And they've done it again with the monolith. Check it out at allseasonsfeeders.com. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffair for Hoffair's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffair's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Hey, hey, all you waterfowl junkies out there. Cable here for TX Duck Blinds. Highly durable and highly mobile customized duck blinds built by duck hunters for duck hunters. Each blind is built from solid steel by professional welders and field tested before shipment. A duck season will come and go, but guess what? Your TX Duck Blind is built to last. Customize yours today by calling 817-965-1306. You can also find them at texasduckblinds.com or check them out on Instagram and Facebook at TX Duck Blinds. You held up your hands in the shape of a camera Took a snapshot So you'd always remember the world we knew Before it faded away Into the holy days Holy days from Sean McConnell, I think One of the best songwriters going right now That is for sure I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here as we are talking alligator gar today. Very contentious topic of discussion, certainly among bow fishermen uh, in Texas right now as Texas Parks and Wildlife has proposed some regulation changes that specifically, and make no bones about it, uh, these 
regulation changes target boat fishermen. But to be fair, we will hear Texas Parks and Wildlife side of the story here momentarily as uh, Executive Director Carter Smith has been kind enough to jump on here with us. And I think he knows uh, that I'm going to have to play the devil's advocate and beat him up a little bit, uh, just to be fair, because somebody has to speak up for these boat fishermen. And we'll see what you know his stance is as Texas Parks and Wildlife moves forward with these proposals. Uh, this segment of the show is brought to you by John X Safaris. Look, we've got I've got five guys signed up so far for uh, the June 7th through the 15th hunt in South Africa on the Eastern Cape. I can take two more. There can be eight hunters in camp, including me. So if you're interested, you and a buddy, you and the wife, if uh, she's got an itchy trigger finger, whatever the case, two more folks can come. Send me an email, LoneStarOutdoorShow at gmail.com. And I will send you all the necessary information, uh, and perhaps you'll join me on the hunt of a lifetime in South Africa here in just a couple months. Um, okay, let's go ahead and bring on our next guest. He's a longtime friend of the show, a passionate outdoorsman, and the head of Texas Parks and Wildlife, Carter Smith. Thanks for making time for us. Certainly appreciate it. Yeah, delighted to be with you, Cable. Thank you. It is my pleasure. Uh, so, obviously, we've got kind of a hot-button issue to get into today. As um, Actually, the email was just sent out last week uh, regarding the proposed alligator gar uh, changes, regulation changes. Now, these have not been adopted, uh, but they have been proposed. And I've had, uh, I mean, just about anyone who's passionate about bow fishing has, has emailed or messaged me on social media, even called me trying to figure out what's going on and why. Uh, so first of all, why don't you walk us through the reasoning behind these proposed changes? And I believe it's uh, Commissioner uh, Commission Chair Duggins who's kind of spearheaded this, this movement. Um, but I'm still not sure or sold on, you know, why that's necessary. So I'm sure you can uh, give us some insight. Yeah, absolutely, Cable, and thanks for the opportunity to share a few words about this, and I do think it's important for all your listeners to know that, again, these proposals are under consideration. They haven't been adopted, but we do want to hear from our constituents about their perspectives on that, and, and ultimately the Commission will make a decision about these recommendations at their March 20th meeting in Austin. But just by way of background, they're really four things that are on the table right now that the Commission as a whole has proposed and asked us to go out and get input from from our various constituencies. You know, two elements are unique to the Trinity River and then two others are really statewide. And so one is this proposed four foot maximum size limit on alligator gar there in the Trinity. And when I'm talking about the Trinity, I'm really talking about that reach of the river that's upstream of, of where I ten crosses the Trinity running up the river, up the East Fork to, to the dam there at Lake Ray Hubbard, and mm -hmm. then on the West Fork up to the um, bridge there on I-30. So four-foot maximum size limit, uh, one fish per day. Do that, obviously, rod and reel, bow fish, whatever your uh, uh, preference is. Um, the commission has also asked us to take a look at creating a limited draw or permit system um, in which 
we would figure out and the commission would approve some number of permits that we would issue for anglers of any type to um, uh, catch and harvest one fish over four feet. Um, and so, you know, that system that we're talking about is kind of analogous um, to how they manage alligator gar in, in, in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. the, the two proposals that we've got, and again, those, those two are just unique to that, that reach of the Trinity that I talked about. Um, the two statewide proposals, um, one would be a prohibition on bow fishing at night, um, and so 30 minutes after sunset to 30 minutes before sunrise. And then lastly, um, mandatory reporting um, within 24 hours of any alligator gar that's you know caught um, except for fish caught on, on, on Falcon Lake. And so those are the, the four elements of the, of the proposal that we are going out for public feedback on and which the commission very much wants to hear from folks on. And so, okay. I mean, there's kind of different rationales for all of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, so I'm going to just kind of pick these apart and, and give you my thoughts. And what, what I'm seeing, like taking issue with here is a maximum – Oh, four feet. To me, it's like, why Why do we want to shoot the little fish? That kind of goes against most of the things that we know about wildlife management. Um, you know, let the little, let them, let them go, let them grow. And instead, let's say, let's shoot everything under four feet, but not shoot anything larger. Well, I, th- I think you apply, you know, kind of different um, harvest strategies depending on what kind of goals you have for a population. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, just stepping back for alligator gar, it's important for all of us to remember that we're, you know, talking about um, a fish that's that's particularly or can be particularly vulnerable. Um, it's long-lived. It's slow to reach sexual maturity. Um, it doesn't spawn every year, and in fact, it may go multiple successive years um, without having a big spawning event or a, or a spawning event and a successful recruitment um, event. Um, and it's a fish that's hard to, to monitor. And so all of those elements of its life history, kind of like paddlefish or sturgeon, um, make it susceptible potentially to overharvest if we're, if we're not careful. Um, the four-foot proposal from the, from the commission is really aimed at, at, in, at least in this part of the Trinity River, at creating kind of a balance between the conservation and recreation parts of our, our, our mission, um, helping to acknowledge, you know, this very unique fish, the largest of our freshwater fish, um, create a conservation-oriented fishery. Um, that places a premium on the opportunity to catch really large fish in the future. It's protecting those older age class fish, those those spawning females. Um, certainly allows for the catch and harvest of of the younger and smaller size fish. Um, but again, places a premium on protecting those older age class fish that. Um, uh, can 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 be hard to come by, shorter in number, and which disproportionately contribute to, obviously, the the spawning that's so critical for the recruitment of the population. And so, those are really the reasons behind that proposal in this in this particular area of the state. You got to go to science here, and uh, you know I've got to ask you, where's the science that supports um, that we have a declining alligator guard population? Because none of the none of the boat fishermen I've talked to. And even the rod and reel guys, I just I haven't seen any any hard evidence, you know. Say, and I understand they're very hard fish to come up with uh, 
you know, numbers and science on, but I just haven't seen anything where I could say, here, you know, I read this, and now I understand why this is necessary. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very fair question. I, I do think we can extrapolate from a lot of other states in the alligator gar range in which we've seen those fish over-harvested um, over time and, you know, entire river basins that have had alligator gar extirpated from those basins. So there, there, there are plenty of examples where gar have been, been fished out, and, and the commission really as a whole is interested in getting ahead of it. They don't want to have to regulate their way out of an emergency room situation. And so they are thinking about this in a more proactive, preemptive type way. And, you know, with respect to, to science, again, acknowledging the fact that you've got a species whose life history lends itself very well to concerns about managing harvest levels appropriately. And, and again, with long-lived, slow-to-reach sexual maturity, you know, we, we had a big spawning event in 2008 on the Trinity. We had a minor one in 2010. We had another big one in 2015, but we're, we're, we're clearly going any number of years without producing successful cohorts that we're bringing into the population. And so the commission really is thinking about this preemptively, again, is, is a unique conservation-oriented fishery. And um, because of the challenges of accurately surveying alligator gar populations, um, you know, and again, whether that's through specialized gill nets or side scan sonar or whatever tools our fisheries biologists are using, you know, there is uncertainty in that in that data. And um, that speaks, of course, to the need for the mandatory reporting and, you know, our desire to be able to collect more data and then help guide the commission in the future with the decisions that they make that are based on, but not predicated entirely, on, on the best available science. And that, that really is important for um, our sportsmen to understand that our commissioners are looking for um, the best science to the extent it's out there, but they also want to balance that with their obligations for conservation and stewardship and thinking about the, the future, not just the, the here and now. And and, and, and part of their decision-making calculus is making sure that our processes are robust to get feedback um, from our affected constituencies. And in this case, you know, those who really enjoy catching alligator gar. Well, I, you know, I do have to point out Louisiana, they don't have a bag limit or a size limit. And they're, they have, you know, I mean, heck, Cody just moved his guide service to Louisiana for fear of these uh, regulation changes coming to fruition. Um, and the fisher, their fishery is extremely robust. Now they don't have the the, the number of you know six footers that we have in the Trinity, um, but I just I don't know. Uh, go back to what you said. It, it's hard to get a good handle on 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 the exact population of these numbers of these of this species. Of yeah, and again, nature. and I think it speaks to you know kind of what we want. What do we envision for the future for our fish? And again, in this reach of the Trinity, the the commission is very focused on um, this 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 kind of cautionary and, and very conservation oriented fishery that really does place a, a premium on you know big, large, mature alligator gar that anglers of all types will have an opportunity to harvest and and you know hence the reason for the um, proposed limited draw and, and, and tagging system and you know certainly over the years as the commission has talked about these issues they've been 
kind of actively discussed as, as, as long as I've been here in this position now, which is 11-plus years, um, there have been discussions about gar fisheries in other states in which, you know, there still were robust populations of alligator gar, but they were small, um, or at least, you know, it's hard to find large fish. And so um, I think the commission is interested in the possibility of, of, of whether or not we have and help sustain some unique fisheries that create some different opportunities for our, our, our anglers. Um, and, and, and that's the proposal that they're wanting to get some feedback on right now. Okay. Okay. Um, I do have to ask you also, there is a rod and reel guide who's, I think he's on the advisory board. I don't know that, and I know I know that the bow fishing community doesn't have any representation, and it's no secret that, you know, the rod and reel guys are pushing for this regulation change. Uh, for me, it doesn't really seem right that, uh, and I'm just playing the devil's advocate here, but it doesn't seem right that the, you know, the bow fishing community is not represented on that advisory board in the same capacity that rod and reel guys are. Well, I, I, a couple of observations on that, and, and first, it's important that, again, we hear that feedback and we think about that um, for our various advisory committees, but I, I want to be abundantly clear. I, the, the proposed regulation changes that we're talking about are not designed to be punitive for any one class of fishermen. They, they really are designed to help um, conserve and protect this magnificent fish. Um, the commission has been keenly interested, um, again, 10, 11, 12 years on trying to reframe how people think about alligator gar. You know, Cable, when I was growing up, you know, unfortunately, it was always considered a trash fish. It wasn't treated with much respect. Um, and, and so I think we've come a long way mm -hmm. to help elevate this fish um, and its status, its value, its recreational status, its, its economic value, you know, again, is indicated by um, guides and many others that, that pursue it. Um, we do have various advisory committees that help provide advice and counsel to the department. They're just that. They're advisory committees. They're not decision-making bodies. Um, you know, our freshwater uh, fisheries advisory committee is, is comprised of representatives from all over the state, representing a lot of different interests. Um, but to be abundantly clear, um, no one person on that advisory committee, you know, was, uh, you know, pushing these series of, of regulations or initiated them in some form or fashion to um, uh, try to adversely affect, affect some other type of fisherman. Nothing could be further from the, from the truth. Again, um, multiple reasons for these different proposals um, along the Trinity, as I've said. It's, again, to, to, to look at creating more of a conservation-oriented fishery and, and, candidly, an area in which we've got a, a fish consumption advisory anyway. Mm. Um, and, um, and then, ultimately, I think we could all benefit from learning more about um, what our anglers are, are, are catching out there across the state and helping us make the best possible decisions to uh, manage this, this important public resource. Okay, one more tough question, and then I'll, I'll be a little nicer here. Uh, and I have been boat fishing for um, these monster gar. Mm -hmm. We shot, mm -hmm. uh, there was three of us, and we shot two that were over five feet. So we never mm -hmm. got that six-footer. These other guys were way better shots than me. I didn't even get one, you know. I think. Yeah, I, no, it's a challenge, though, yeah. isn't it? Um, we'd go all day, and you know, we had maybe four shot opportunities, and connected on two of them. Rod and reel guys can catch, I don't know, five, ten, twenty fish in a day. When they, and you have to gut hook these fish. That's the unfortunate part of it. They let the they let the fish swallow. Usually, it's cut bait. When you 
fight that fish, stress it out for an hour, and then let it go with a steel leader, you know, but because they cut the leader, they don't retrieve the hooks. Um, I, I doubt that the success uh, survival rate is, is very high on those fish, especially the, the bigger ones that are, you know, uh, that's a lot of stress on a fish of that size. Yeah, I mean, I, I, okay, well, it's a fair question, a fair observation. I, th- that kind of a question is probably better directed at one of our fisheries biologists um, in terms of their answering that and if there are attendant concerns about, um, you know, excessive mortality from, you know, catch and release of fish through, you know, rod and reel methods, um, again, versus bow fishing, which is, you know, almost always terminal. Again, um, the goal here is not about picking winners and losers or choosing between anglers who choose to fish in different ways. I mean, that is a really, really important distinction. I think some people are really having a difficult time wrapping their brains around it. But the commission as a whole is keenly interested in this notion of protecting this resource, um, balancing the growing interest in it, balancing the growing utilization of the of the of the fish but seeing if you know some kind of a conservation oriented fishery in this reach can't be can't be can't be created and um, again I think people um, you know like most anglers and hunters um, there are very few wallflowers um, and you know the commission wants to hear from people and what they particularly want to hear from cable are, are people's perspectives about these different components that are on the table, these four different elements having to do with, with alligator gar. And so I, I really want to encourage your listeners to help share that feedback with, with us and the commission. Okay. Okay. Um, I haven't seen anything about, you know, saying that we're not picking sides. I haven't seen anything, though, that says you can't rod and reel fish for them at night. But there is a statewide proposal for you no know, bow fishing for them at night. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know if more fish are killed at night than today. Um, heck, on our trip, we went during the day. Mm-hmm. So and I've done both. Variability. Yeah, I, I think you know. Again, your, your question, cable about or more fish, um, you know, shot, you know, by bow at, at night or day. I, you know, I hear from folks that do it both times, um, and kind of differential success. I, I can't answer that yeah. that 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 question either. But going back to this, that's what's so 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 um, interesting about this whole situation is there's just no stats on it. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the 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 interest in the commission in talking about that particular issue is just more out of an abundance of caution, a concern about is there vulnerability for these larger fish that are getting targeted by, you know, our bow anglers in the state and, you know, use of specialized equipment at night with lights and admittedly, you know, in some very challenging circumstances. I want to be abundantly clear about about that but but is there a disproportionate emphasis on 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 taking these larger fish using lights at night to to do that and is that going to inadvertently contribute to a level of harvest that's not sustainable or that drives the the, the, the composition of our population down towards a lot more smaller fish as opposed to a more balanced structure or, again, opportunities to um, really get out there and, and, and catch or harvest some of those, those, those big gar. And, and, and that's really the genesis for that, for that particular um, idea that's, that, that's come up and is being contemplated now. Okay, okay. Right on. As if this was to go into effect, then no one would have the opportunity to catch or harvest. Or, well, I guess the catch and release guys could still 
catch them, but you wouldn't be able to harvest anything over, you know, four feet on that stretch of the Trinity until some kind of draw system was put in place. Yeah, that's right. And, and um, you know, I think that um, my guess is the um, commission would want to have those measures go into a place, um, you know, at around the, the same time. Um, and so I can't speak to that specifically. Um, but again, you know, the notion is to create a, a draw system in which anglers would have an opportunity to catch fish over four feet so that there's still a, um, an opportunity to do that in a sustainable, balanced way. Okay. Well, I guess uh, I guess that answers everything that I had for you. I appreciate you giving us um, the inside scoop on you know where uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife is coming from on on all of this situation because you know you mostly hear just bad things, um, negative reaction from uh, sure hunters and anglers, and you know we're all about increased. We want as much opportunity as possible, and, and yeah. you guys generally. Um, one of your goals is to provide that. So. That's right. Yeah. Well, it's a balance, and, you, and you're right, Cable. And, and again, I so appreciate the opportunity to visit with you um, and for your listeners to have a chance to hear from us about the rationale behind some of the measures that are being contemplated. And certainly we don't think that everybody's going to agree with every idea sure. that, we, that we have. But it is important that we get that public feedback from our hunters and anglers. And it is a balance between conservation and recreation, providing as much opportunity as we can while sustaining, you know, impacts to the resources that we all care deeply and passionately for. We all share that love of the outdoors. We all share the love of our bountiful and abundant fish and wildlife populations and are deeply proud of this natural heritage of these resources that we get to steward and, and enjoy. And all of us want to pass those on to our kids and grandkids. Nobody Absolutely. disputes that. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes we may just disagree on the past to, to get there. But, but ultimately, again, it's critical that we hear from your listeners and our constituents about what they like about what they're proposing. And if there are things they don't like, you know, we want to hear that too. And, and most importantly, we want to hear why they don't like them. Absolutely. And so where can folks go to comment, uh, leave their feedback? Yeah, absolutely, Cable. So um, the the proposal for the alligator gar, along with, by the way, all the other measures on um, fishing and hunting related regulations, and I will encourage your listeners to take a look at those, will be up on the Texas Register um, on the 15th of February. Um, We'll have a link on our website then that can take um, interested parties to a link there that which they can read through the proposals, they can learn about them, and then they can register their unique comments. And specific to the GAR, um, they can comment on these these four individual items that are part of them, and so we encourage folks to do that. Um, we're also going to be hosting a Facebook Live webinar, as we've done in the past, um, at noon on February 27th um, with our fisheries biologists to, mm-hmm. to talk about this. And so you can look for information on that um, on our Facebook page. We'll have public hearings um, around the around the state, um, and obviously those that want to travel and come to the commission meeting on the 20th of March in Austin um, um, can do that if they're, they're so inclined. So we want to provide as many opportunities as possible for folks to tell us what they like and to share any concerns that they may have. Wonderful. Okay, well, if folks want to leave comment, feedback, they know where to do it. Uh, Carter, certainly appreciate 
uh, you jumping on with us, and nothing will be finalized, I think, until what uh, towards the end of March, I believe. Yeah, toward the the 20th of March is when the when the commission will make their decisions on the alligator gar proposals and the other uh, fishing and hunting changes um, for the 19 and 20 season. And Cable, always a pleasure to to, to be with you. Thanks for giving us a chance to um, visit with you. Appreciate um, all of your advocacy for the great outdoors. Hey, I certainly appreciate you as well. Take care. Thanks, Cable. So there you have it, straight from the horse's mouth, Carter Smith, Executive Director of Texas Parks and Wildlife, of course. We certainly appreciate him coming on, knowing that I wasn't going to be taking it easy on him. And I I think he certainly answered the questions as best as he could. Uh, Going back to the science, you know, and Carter even admitted there just isn't any. Uh, He pointed to other states, what we've seen with them. But then you can point to Louisiana, and you know, like I like I mentioned, it's an, a thriving fishery, which is why Cody moved his whole operation there. Uh, so, at the end of the day, it still seems to me like this is one man's quest to try to protect a species that we're not even sure needs protecting, on the level at which he's attempting to do so. Uh, we already have the one fish per day limit. We already know. That and and for just take me for example, if I ever do shoot that six seven foot gator gar, I'll never shoot another one. Why would I want to? But I still want to have the right to do that if there is a viable fishery, which, by all accounts, uh, according to the guides out there, there damn sure is. Um, and they don't get a lot of repeat business, so I think it's a one and done thing for most people. And there's just, I just don't see why we would be shooting, still going back to the little fish, uh, why are we shooting the under four foot fish? I just don't understand that. And who in the hell wants to, I mean, no one's going to put a four foot alligator gar on the wall. That's not a trophy. You want that big one, you know? It, <laughs> it is what it is, right? Let's call a spade a spade. We're not out there trying to shoot the smallest buck or the smallest alligator gar. I'm not saying that we wouldn't. And that if you want to put, you know, meat on the table, that you shouldn't be able to. Uh, But at the end of the day, these guides and their businesses are pumping money into the local economies. They are selling fishing licenses, a lot of times to out-of-state anglers. And we all know that that's more expensive than, you know, say if someone from Texas was to buy a fishing license. So all of those license sales are pumping money back into Texas Parks and Wildlife and the Inland Fisheries Department. So I'm just... I'm still having a hard time with this. And while having heard both sides of the story, I'm I'm going to lean more towards uh, siding with the bow fishermen on these regulation changes. I do want to say that Texas Parks and Wildlife, to their credit, every time I've called in 10 years of doing this, they, as an agency, have never declined an interview. So, uh, you know, there's something to be said for that. Although Commissioner Duggins didn't want to come on and let me beat him up, uh, Carter was happy or at least accepted the responsibility of coming on and visiting with us today. So uh, certainly respect him for that. And uh, generally speaking, I'm a huge fan of Texas Parks and Wildlife. And I support the vast majority of the things and regulations that they do implement. This not being one of those. So anyway, thanks to Carter. Certainly appreciate that. Uh, That segment brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit, who's been helping its borrowers finance their own slice of paradise for over 100 years. They'll do the same for you. Check them out at LoneStarAgCredit.com. Well, unfortunately, just looking at the clock here, we got to go, got to get out of here. Thanks to both of our guests today. 
Cody Soley of Extreme Boat Fishing, Carter Smith of Texas Parks and Wildlife. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. I'm saying.